0: and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. Good morning, everybody. Boy, we're going to call this Christmas light season. Where Maybe everyone's got... Shopping. I know a lot of people are sick. I hope that's not the case with you. Um, Before we start anything else, I I did want to update you on what is happening with uh, Terry, uh, a dear friend of ours, for those of you who don't know, who is uh, battling cancer. And it's been going on for some time. Got a, a recent request of prayer from Dave. And he says prayer specifically for chemo to work and put her cancer into remission for the transplant of her own bone marrow to respond and recover between treatments so that she can stay on schedule that her chest cavity will stop filling up with the fluid allowing her to breathe Uh, pray for less dependency or need for future transfusions of blood and platelets that the Lord gives us clear path through all of her treatments, which will lead us to the city of hope for the life-saving bone marrow transplant with her brother for her brother to remain healthy. And please pray. We get her there. We need to get there for a successful transplant and complete healing. And he shared also that this is becoming very wearisome for them. As you can imagine And so let's pray before we start anything else for Terry. God, we are brokenhearted to hear the news and the strain that is on these two that we love. And so, Lord, we do pray for Terry to be able to get to the city of hope and get that bone marrow transplant without any more hurdles. Lord, that you would have mercy on them, that you would give strength not only to her body, but to their spirits and to their souls, that they would be able to, Father, endure this, In a way that draws them near to you. Father, we know that there is going to be tribulation. And you told us we could still have courage. Because you have overcome this world. Help us to learn what that means. Help them to understand what that means. And make that a reality in their lives. Father, I know that there are a number of people who are sick uh, today. I pray for Ted and Margie with the flu, for the Lopez family who is also struggling, and for many others who uh, are not with us because of illness. And at this time of season, that could add more stress just because of that busyness. And, Lord, I pray for deliverance even from that hectic attitude that, seems to push us at this season where, Lord, really what it's supposed to be gets lost in the culture of what's happening. And so, Lord, bring healing to our friends, especially to Terry, and give strength to them, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to remember the things that are important at this time of season. That's really something that we want to try and step into Uh, As we're continuing our our series, you may notice the tables. You know, one of the things that we wanted to do this Christmas season was to actually have time for you to step into a conversation with one another about how this season affects you. Uh, The first week we had you guys write out some things, and last week we also gave the the different titles that were attributed to Christ, where he was a mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father. And, And I asked you which one spoke to you the most, because I wanted you to be able to meditate on those things and to see the reality of God in those titles in your life and to allow them to play out. And I wanted to read a couple of them to you, Uh, One was Everlasting Father. It says, as a father, he both exemplifies who I want to be and who I need him to be for me. As a father, he shows unconditional love, continual encouragement, correction, and points me to the path that leads to shalom. Very insightful. One wrote, Mighty God mighty strength, strength in my life, strength as a mother, strength through hard times, strength through good times, strength in building a relationship with God, strength in staying focused on the path and future that God has planned for me, strength and courage in other people's lives. And really, this is something that we want to embrace is that this season isn't about a tradition or a holiday it is about how god has stepped into our lives and how he wants to influence our lives where we're at and the things that we are going through and where the gospels of Matthew and Luke specifically in the beginning chapters talk about a history of Jesus. I want to go today to the book of Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. And I want to look at kind of a a theology of what this means. And then I want to, to break that theology up into how it is actually more than just information, that it is an invitation into an understanding of not only who Jesus is but how we relate to him. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, right there, there's a lot to be said. It says we're to have this mind which, what, is yours in Christ. Christ Jesus. We're to have this mind that was in Christ, but it is also ours in him. So there's an invitation at the beginning to participate in what we're going to be reading. Verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself to the glory of God the Father. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about foreign films. I'm going to talk to you about capitalism and the atomic bomb. Okay? You ready? Years ago, as 1998, I think it was, in the late 90s, Corrine and I went with Gil and Mary to see a movie. The movie was called Life is Beautiful. With Roberto Benigni. I don't know. Have any of you seen that movie? If you have not seen that movie, you need to see that movie. He won. Yeah, Mary saw that. He won the Best uh, Actor, and it was nominated for Best Film, which is one of the few foreign films that have been nominated for Best Film. And and when we went to the movie, we, we got into the theater, sat down, and we were watching the movie. And as the movie started to play, it's a foreign film, so it's subtitled, right? And as the subtitles start, I hear Mary go, oh, is the whole thing going to be subtitled? (laughs) By the end of the movie, she was crying and so thankful that she had been there. Just to know that's how good of a movie, and I got Mary's permission to share that story. I just want you guys to know, if you ever confide in me, I don't always throw you under the bus without permission. The movie is about what's taking place during World War II. And this man who finds the love of his life wins her love and they have a child, but then the Nazis come and he is taken into a a concentration camp. I feel bad spoiling the movie for those of you who haven't seen it, but it was 1998. You should have seen it by now. (laughs) And so he takes his son with him and they're in the Nazi concentration camp but what he wants to do is shield his son from the evils that are taking place and so he makes it into a game that they're out and they're competing to win a prize and they have to do all these things with these people and it's all part of the game and it is all to protect his child, his son from the evil that is in the world and he does this to the last point where he actually loses his life and spares his son throughout this whole time in that nazi concentration camp of experiencing that fear and horror that was taking place and i think oftentimes we want god who it we want god to keep us from the evils of the world we we want god to make things beautiful for us so that we don't see the ugliness that is there. But really what God does is instead of making things beautiful in spite of the ugliness, he makes things beautiful in the midst of the ugliness. Because you've probably noticed by now, even as we prayed earlier for our dear friend, Terry and all she's going through that belief in Christ, belief in God does not uh, make us immune from the difficulties in the world. In fact, it never has. It's never been promised. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of courage. I've overcome the world. And there is something in that that is helping us prepare for the difficulty that is going to happen and an awareness of God being with us in the difficulty as it's happening. And and you see, that's what love does. Love involves itself with us, with the person you care about. It, It involves itself, and that's where it becomes most noticeable and clear is when the difficulty arises. And that's what we've read in that passage, that that Jesus, though being in God form, did not think equality with God, something he had to hold on to. Instead, he emptied himself, became a servant. Why? Because he loved and cared and wanted to engage us. And to do that, he didn't want to do it acting as God. He wanted to do it acting as our brother as our friend, as someone who could stand where we stand so that we would know how to stand in the future. And, and this is the heart of the Christmas story, God with us. This is something that we step into, and this is the reality of love, that it involves sacrifice. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, the idea of sacrifice. And we need to understand that this is the reality that we live in with God in our midst. C.S. Lewis wrote, to love is to be vulnerable. The only place outside heaven where you can be safe from the dangers of love is hell. See, God is Love, that's what we believe. And in that is the heart of sacrifice that we see. And in this love, we we start to understand God in a way that is very important. You see, because to objectify God so that we can understand him, limits who he is. In other words, we make God an object that we could understand. And by doing that, we limit his ability to transform our lives. It was phrased in this way by Anselm of Canterbury. God is that than which nothing greater can be conceived. In other words, if we try to make God someone we can control, And understand we actually miss who he is. And so Christ being God in flesh becomes something that gives us an idea of what God is because the idea itself is beyond our ability to grasp. That's one of the things I love about Jesus in the parables is he takes things that are beyond our ability to comprehend and he puts them in simple stories so that we can get a glimpse of what is happening and that happens in Christ himself where the magnificence of God and the love that he has for us that is beyond our ability to conceive comes to a place where we start to get a little hint of what it's like. But we are blinded so many times in these areas by our culture. And us being in the United States, capitalism has become something that really dominates a way of thinking. And it starts to overflow even into our faith. You know, it's been said that culture eats religion for lunch. And what that means is whatever your belief is will start to be absorbed in the culture. And you look around the world at the faith that is in different regions of the world, and you see that all those faiths are influenced by the culture that they're in. And that happens in the United States as well with Christianity. If we are not aware of it, it will start to dominate our way of thinking. In fact, I think it has in so many ways. We think more is better. And and so we have from this culture, this gospel of prosperity, where God wants you to be healthy all the time, where God wants you to be wealthy. Where did that come from? It came from our culture. It came from a mindset that said, well, we need to be the best, we need to be the strongest, and so we want to get all that we can, and so God wants us to have all we can. Why? Because that's what our culture has taught us, and now we'll start to see the Scripture through our culture instead of seeing our culture through the Scriptures. And it starts to dominate our way of thinking. It doesn't just dominate religion, by the way. It dominates all manner of belief. Even scientific belief will be dominated through the culture. You start seeing what you're looking for through what you already believe. And then we start to have this thing where, okay, I know how to get right with God. i got to work my way up. i, I got to just, you know, if I know the Bible well enough, if I pray enough, if I go to church, if I do all these things, I will get God's favor because that's how it is. got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. you got to make yourself, I'm my own, man. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen with God as well. And we start to see this relationship with God as one that we take control of. But you see, you can't love something that you objectify, right? If you make something into an object, you don't really love it. I guess the most obvious example is men towards women. If they make women into an object, it doesn't show love. It's actually disrespect. You're making them less than who they are. You're making them an object for yourself. And we can do that with God and even more importantly, we can think that God does that towards us, that we become just objects. And he doesn't see humanity as objects of love. We just see it as objects that need saving instead of family that he really desires to be with. And so then Jesus becomes just a person who came to save us, not a person who came to have relationship with us and when we see the word incarnation instead of thinking of doctrine we should think of passion we should think that god cared so much that he wanted to bring us back into relationship with himself see incarnation is all about the passion of god It's about the love of God extended to us. It's not just an understanding of God becoming man. That's just a hint so that we can get a a, a grip on what's really taking place. Because so much more is happening and it really is relational. God doesn't see us as objects needing to be saved. He sees us as family. And he's wanting to restore us. And it's important that we understand that because we have to find our faith in the world and in the culture that we are living in. And you see, you will not make it through this life as you are. Whoever you are today You are going to be changed by the things that happen to you tomorrow, next year, the year after that. And everything that befalls you is going to influence you. And there are things that are going to hit you hard. And they're going to shake your world. And they're going to drop you to your knees. And if you think, why is this happening to me, God? I thought you loved me. You're missing the point of the relationship. Did you think these things wouldn't happen to you? Did you think you would go through this life without a scar? Did you think a broken world would not break the people that are in it? Did you think I come to take away all that pain? Do you question my love because of the circumstances that you're in? You see, you are going to be different because of the things you go through. And that is where God is has the opportunity to do the deepest and the most profound work. And Jesus's picture of emptying himself, becoming a servant, is our picture, is our mind, that we are to get past this idea that it's about me and the idea that it is about what God is doing with me in me, and how what God is doing is going to enable me to help others who are going through and struggling through the things they go through. It really is about this relationship. God shows up on the scene from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 in this pluralistic view. And where we want to take God and always start on this monotheistic way, God is one, which he is. We, we start off in the scripture as, let us make man in our image. Right? We, we've got this idea and there's this kind of undergoing of things that we don't realize that God is doing. And you have to understand that we really, to know something, we have to have respect for it. We have to have, uh, give it dignity. We, we have to have that relational aspect. To give something dignity or respect, we have, that's the only way you know it. It's, unless you know something well, you don't have that kind of dignity. I, I think of waves and someone surfing. You have to have respect. For that wave this is a friend of ours picture pete claproth he's a great photographer he lives there and takes pictures like that just it's not fair but anyway that's my own struggle you see that guy has respect and knows the wave that's the only reason he could do that if i were him i'd be dead because i'm too old I'm too fat. I'm just not in good shape, right? I, I, I don't know that wave. I don't know what that wave will do. I don't know how it moves. I don't know how much force it has. It's only when you know what's happening there that you're able to step into that. And the same thing is true with God. Unless we know what is happening and how God is at work, how do you love him? And so when you're going through the difficulties and the struggles, you have to know God. You have to give him respect that he knows what's going on. Even when you are in that situation, whatever that situation is. And I know some of your stories and I know the struggle and I know the pain. And I know my own struggles and my own pain. And you see, I'm not going to get through this life like I am. I'm going to be changed by it one way or another. Am I going to respect God in those moments of change, that this is where he's working? And am I going to have that mind that was in Christ, though he existed as God, did not hold on to his status. There wasn't the ego involved. What about me was actually an emptying of himself. And by doing that, he was now open to all the things that God could do through him. The same thing is going to happen to us. And we have to recognize it that God shows up as this plural being in relationship. And it is a mystery, but you see, a mystery isn't something that you can't understand. It is something that you can endlessly understand. It is something that we are always learning from. It is something that we will never exhaust the depth of. The mystery of God is not that, oh, you'll never understand. It is that you will always be learning. You will always be understanding. And the person of Christ helps us to step into that relationship. Though being God emptied himself taking on the form of a servant, humbling himself. And by this, God has exalted him. And the dynamic we start seeing between the father and the son that shows up, it's that small glimpse of what God is doing, but it's a big, big picture that's taking place. And it's too much to wrap our minds around. It is a mystery that we will always be learning And I think maybe instead of starting with the unity of God, what if we started with the community of God? What if we started with God as a father, a son, and the Holy Spirit? See, from the foundations of matter, whether it be atoms, you know, the protons, electrons, and neutrons, to environment, to humanity, we are all in relationship with something else. There is community that is always taking place and always supposed to be taking place and what was seen in Jesus by him emptying himself so that he could be among us and work and be there for us. What if we saw God before we saw him as just one, which he is, we saw him as a community. And what does that even mean? You see, when they developed the first atomic bomb what they had to do was split that community that community that is in the atom when they divided it it caused the devastation it caused what we know as the atomic bomb some amazing things just in that story itself robert oppenheimer the one who the physicist who was actually responsible for the atomic bomb. He named the site where the first atomic bomb was tested. Know what he called it? Trinity. And he said later on that it was like this spiritual thought that he had. It was spiritual intuition. He doesn't even know why he named it, but he named it Trinity. And you see, what happens when we are separated from the relationships of God and others. It's destructive. Just like an atomic bomb is destructive when you split the community of the atom. You cannot separate the community of who God is or who we are with one another without it being destructive. And so Christ's example once again comes to bear. It it helps us to understand See, ego wants to be separate, wants to be superior. And that's the essence of sin. I shall be like God. I shall be my own. I will have no need for anything. Christ emptied himself, became a servant. The opposite of ego. Don't think of incarnation as anything but the passion of God for us. I heard a story of a man talked about when he was a young boy and he was in the forest and he came upon a wasp's nest. And as he came upon the wasp's nest, the wasps came out and they started swarming him and all over him. And so like a normal human being started freaking out, screaming. As he started screaming, his mother came running. He said that he saw his mother. And if he did not know who she was or why she was coming, he would think she's coming to kill me. And you see, that's the picture of the wrath of God. It is not coming to be punitive to punish you. It is coming to destroy what is destroying you. This is the picture of Christ who emptied himself, became a servant. Why? Because man, I care. Because man, I don't want to see the destruction that is taking place with this egotistic attitude that is trying to see themselves without the need of me in their lives, without the need of each other in the lives, without the recognition that you are here and you will only be filled when you are serving. It's a powerful picture for God to be good. He has, he can be one. But for God to be loving, God has to be two because love is always in relationship. And for God to be supreme joy and happiness, God has to be three because people who love don't know full happiness until they are able to both delight in the same thing. You've experienced that. When something great happens to you, it's not enough that it happened to you. You want to share what has happened with someone else. And so we have this understanding of God being a community so that he could share the love that is there with us. There is a old painting by a Russian artist, Andrei Rubley. It's called The Trinity. And, and it's also called The Fellowship of Abraham, where the, the three men came and talked to Abraham, but they called him, him Lord. And it's one of those mysterious passages. And, and the whole idea here is that there is this fellowship this community taking place and at the bottom of the painting it's hard to see here but there's this little square and there was glue found on that square and what they think was happened that what there was something actually attached to the square of that f- painting and what they think it was was actually a mirror because there is an invitation for us to step into the community of god that the mind of christ Is supposed to be our mind and that the extension of God's love for us is to include us and that we are also to include each other. See, what I want us to recognize this morning is that you are in community, not only here, but with God. And it doesn't matter what you are going through. Let me say that again. It does not matter what you are going through. God will run to your aid with a wrath that you can't comprehend because of how passionate he is for you. He will empty himself of his right to act as God of his ego so that he can engage you wherever You are whatever you are going through. If you're ill, God wants to be there. If you're lonely, God wants to be there. If you're struggling in sin, God wants to be there. If you're struggling with hurt that has been caused to you by someone else, God wants to be there. And the invitation is to come to this table and to be a part of his community and allow it to shape you. I want to take a few minutes and I want you guys again to go to the various tables. I have a question that I want to ask. So if you can, just go to whatever table is nearest to you. Don't go by yourself to one table. The whole point of this is community. You can fit up to eight at a table. It'd be great if every table had... Some people, heaven, don't just sit at that table by yourself. (laughs) Or you're expecting everyone to come to you, I guess. (laughs) Find a table. And again, the whole point of this is that you guys could explore together some of the things that are taking place in your life. It's so that you can explore the things that are taking place in your life. What I want to ask you guys and what I want you to talk about with one another, I want to ask you, what is an area or maybe some areas where you need to trust God's love for you more? In other words, is there a circumstance happening in your life that you're seeing it as God is distant And that you need to actually see that God loves you in this circumstance. If you don't want to be specific about the circumstance, maybe you can talk about how you need to invite God into an area or what that will look like. I need to have time alone. I need to be more engaging with someone else who I've struggled with. Whatever that looks like, how... Do you need to let the love of God, or in what area do you want the love of God to show up in your life more? Is there a specific area that maybe you've been hurt in, a specific area you're struggling or you see him as far apart, and he's asking you to come and sit at this table? What area do you feel like, no, God is not in that area? Does that make sense to you? Yeah? Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. How's everyone doing? Do you guys need a couple more minutes or are you a couple more minutes? Okay. Okay. For the children's ministry's sake, we're going to bring this to an end. I hope you guys uh, again are able to engage. You know, I wanted community to take place amongst yourselves, even as God is inviting us into that community with him himself. And I hope that's beginning to take place and has over the past few weeks. Next week is Christmas Sunday. We're not going to have the small groups, but I hope you will come and invite your family and friends to be a part of that Um, and that we will be able to continue the things that we're learning through the season, through the rest of our lives. So let me have Randy, if you could come up and we can... There you are. knew you were in a group somewhere. Would you guys stand with us as we close in a song? May this mind be in you that was in Christ, who did not think equality with God was something he needed to grasp, but he emptied himself. May we understand the power that is in that, that that is the reason that God has highly exalted him. And God is inviting you to his table to be a part of his community. And in that community, it is giving, it is recognizing his love for you in every area of your life. May you see that as a reality this season. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next Christmas Day, next Sunday. Hope to see you here at 10.30. It'll be a shorter service. Please be here. We need you. God bless you guys.